Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Gig Stories podcast. I'm Chris. And I'm not. I am actually very surprised that it's episode 17. And I've done tons. 17. And, and I'm Alex and Chris still talks to me, everyone. So it's great. He's not fed up of me yet. And as long as you lot aren't fed up of us, then maybe we'll do another 17 episodes. Should we Why see not? how that goes? Why not, eh? <laughs> and this, as always, is a, a, a really exciting for us. And this was this has been a guest that I've been trying to get on for a long, long time. So I really hope you enjoy this. However, news, Christopher Payne. Go on. Wonderfully, both Chris and I have been back at work and really busy, which has been great, and we're enjoying that. And Chris has had his camera out and I've been behind cameras elsewhere and it's, it's fantastic. But amongst the busyness, the timing of this was quite amazing. These days I've been working have been really, really long. And so I've not really looked at my phone. I happened to pick my phone out of my pocket. And as I do, an email notification comes up. And I literally peed my pants. I quickly followed through literally, this email, Chris. Literally, Li- literally, literally, I had to hold it. I'm 44, mate. This is, you know, I, I can't, I can't cope with surprises. Does that happen with every email that comes through? <laughs> when it's this email, yes. <laughs> okay. So I click through, and within five minutes, I became the proud owner of Friday day tickets for Boardmasters, Chris. Now, this is in Newquay, and my me and the family are very lucky. We're going to a caravan to stay in Newquay in a couple of weeks. And the Friday at Boardmasters is being headlined by Foles. And underneath Foles, Sam Fender. Christopher, Sam Fender. Finally. At la, I... I nearly cried. I am happy to admit this, listeners. I was emotional as I was putting my details in, thinking, do not sell out. Do not (laughs) sell out. I will be very cross in this next 60 seconds. And I then, we we wrapped it on this program I'm working on. I think it was about half nine. And I was on the train from Piccadilly home. And I put on Sam Fender in the headphones. And I did fill up. I just, the thought of me and Grace, and I know, listeners, you've heard me talking about this. It's me and my daughter, who's now 15, Grace, are just dying to see him. And I've been trying to see him for almost two years. The thought of us being on a beach in Newquay watching Sam Fender was just a bit too much, Chris. may have been a long day. I may have been tired, Mm -hmm. but I am so, so excited. I didn't realise that the festival was actually on a beach. Yeah. Because it's it's a surfing music. Mm. Is it called Boardmasters? Because you watch a bit of surfing at the same time. Yeah, they actually have um, they actually have the so the international surfing competition that travels the world. They actually do one of the stages there on at Newquay Festival Beach. Wow! So I definitely won't be doing that though. No, not with your knees. <laughs> not with my knees. <laughs> <laughs> So honestly, I 
I cannot wait. I, I cannot can, wait. I, at the moment, I don't think I could slap the smile off your face. I honestly, I, and I, I had to wait to tell the kids for two evenings just because of circumstances, me being work, then them in bed, and then one of them uh, being out and about. And it was killing me. It was absolutely <laughs> killing me. I just wanted to tell them. And everyone was very excited. So, yeah, I can't wait. I Manifestation, wait. Alex. Man- manifestation. The universe. I don't know what I think about that, but <laughs> I think it's just two and a half years, isn't it? Trying, waiting. <laughs> no, but, but you mentioned it on the podcast. You said, <laughs> hopefully... Hopefully we'll maybe get last minute tickets and look. <laughs> that is true. That exactly. Is true. It's the universe, man. That is true. So thank you, universe. Thank you, universe. So, yeah. you know. So have you got any um, uh, live music stories for me, Chris? Have you been shooting any live music or has it all been? Um... It's uh, No, it's not been any live music. It's been um, a bit of theatre. Um, I had a bit more at Manchester International Festival, um, which was not, no. I actually, there was a bit of bit of music. The Patience of Trees I photographed on the last Friday of International Festival, which was. Ooh, don't know then. Um, so it was a new piece. Well, it was it was a new piece of um, of music that was created and performed in. Uh, Manchester Central, the old GMEX. Um, and there was also a piece of um, Steve Reich. So it was that kind of... Um, uh, right, I see. Uh, kind of contemporary classical yeah. music. I, I kind of quite mm-hmm. Philip Glassy, quite Michael Nyman, um, uh, that, that kind of thing. But yeah, it was lovely. Um, but the interesting thing was, because um, a lot of the music was so quiet, um, I was booked and I got, got there at the start of the, the concert. Right. I photographed for about 55 seconds. I was I was only to photograph the bow at the end of it <laughs> because it was a one-off performance and they didn't want any of the musicians to be disturbed. And, um, and so, yeah, so I, I, I had an hour to whip myself up get really stressed shit. about getting a shot yeah ah. no and so I, I photographed it. it took me just under a minute and um yeah but it was real real pressure because what it was if their you own... had a cushion fit what if something was in your eye that 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 would be awkward no i made sure i made sure no emails came through at that time um so uh yeah i didn't we that is yeah that was is that, it, have you ever had pressure. to do that before no, no. I, and I, when I found out that that was what I was going to do, I was like, okay. I'll, I mean, obviously, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll do the job, but that seems a bit odd. But when I watched the, and listened to the concert, it was absolutely, I can understand it exactly. Why, and so you, why you'd have happen. only, you'd have had the whole concert to look, but not move, I imagine, to look at where you're going to place yourself and if within that 55 seconds you move your whole body or if you're just twisting on the spot what what yeah. you know to try and get left right wide close because yeah. you can't go right maybe i'll start stage left and you know down stage left and then move to the right it'd have been over the bow would have been over yeah 
no way to change lenses. So I just had to use my wide lens and just snap away. But um, but yeah, but it's, it's it, it worked. So I mean, if you look at the Guardian, the review for Patience of Trees, that's my photo in the Guardian. Oh really? On the on the so Guardian you've website. Developed them already, then those photographs. <laughs> I did. I went to my dark room and um, developed them, and then sent them by post. And <laughs> hey, do you know what? We uh, this is random and not music related, but hey, this has never stopped us before. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We've decided, and the kids decided, when we go to Newquay, the the five of us, so my wife, myself, and the three kids, we're going to we're going to buy five disposable cameras, film cameras, have one each, yeah, and yeah. take shots on the holiday. But then I'm not sure where I take them to be developed. Where do you take them to be developed? I think you just send them away. I think you send you? them away in the post. Old school. Do you remember that? I used to yeah. love that. Send them all away, and then a week later or two weeks later, getting your photographs back in. Anyway, this is not a Peter Kerr sketch. Getting 24 um, <laughs> photos with stickers on all of them. Yes, stickers on them, yeah. blurred or whatever that used to say. So I think it's time to listen to someone far cooler than us. Oh, God, we don't even come close, man. It's pathetic, isn't it? Yeah. But what what a wonderful man, Graft. He was the winner of BBC's or BBC Three's The Rap Game last series. And the new series has just started. And he was such a deserved winner. And being an avid fan, it was great watching his journey. It sounds such a cliche, but you actually see he goes on quite a journey through the series. I don't want to give you any spoilers because I believe it's still on iPlayer. And he is a fantastic talent. And he is absolutely different in, in grime in the grind game. He sounds different. Uh, the actual sound of the music is different. He uses a lot of samples that you wouldn't normally hear in grime, a lot of different beats and his lyrics uh, are outstanding. He is just amazing. I love Real it. Talent. I was Real so, talent, yeah, I was so pleased that he said yes. So if you know nothing about graft, this is going to be great. You're going to hear this wonderful man's voice and you will want to listen to his music and you'll want to find out more about him because he's massive talent. And I honestly think he's he's going to be huge. So get yourself comfortable. Here is the man, Graft. Yes, welcome to the podcast that remains socially distant from all the others. Although, let's be honest, of late, there have been some symptoms of professionalism, Chris. But don't worry, we'll mask those bad boys. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Today is massive for us as a podcast and really big for me. I became a big admirer after he was introduced to me by none other than friend of the podcast, Shell Zenner, while she was giving me a heads up on, on Northern grime rap artists that I should be checking out, listening to. And then a while later, she tells me he's going to be on BBC show, the rap game. And Shell and I love the rap game. So I was proper buzzing. Not only does he appear in season two, but he completely dominates the series. 
with his performances and goes on to win the prize of a recording contract with Crepton Conan's label, Play Dirty. Ladies and gents, please welcome to the Gig Stories podcast, Graft. Thank you for having me, guys. Oh, you're very welcome. This is an absolute pleasure. And there's so many places I want to start. And I should start by saying, how are you? But I'm not going to graft. I'm going to go straight in with, you created the television moment of last year. It was absolutely amazing. And if anyone listening didn't watch the rap game, you have missed a, just an incredible series and loads of talent, not just graft. There's some real uh, wonderful British talent there. But there was an episode, Graft, where you all had to perform with an orchestra and Wretch32, Crept, Conan and Target were blown away by your performance. And me and my son watched this over and over again. Walk away and I come right back. <laughs> and everyone goes crazy. <laughs> timeless, man. Such an amazing moment. Amazing. And it, it went viral. It was all over social media, seeing <laughs> that clip of Graf doing that with the orchestra. And just it just the physicality, the emotion, it was it was amazing. And I'm gonna make sure that on the webpage and on our social media, we're gonna put a link to you that. Because yeah? <laughs> whoever hasn't seen it needs to see it. So how are you doing? Because what a what a year for you it's been. Yeah, for real, man. Um literally I'm feeling amazing. Um it's the week of my the release of my single, you know what? We've we played Dirty Records, so I'm on a high because of that as well. But even away from the music, I've been doing so much. A lot more doors have opened for me. I've been doing TV adverts, presenting on TV, uh, modeling, brand partnerships, and just really like networking and getting myself out there even more so. I feel grateful and I'm blessed, man. Like, Does it actually feel like this is what you had imagined when you were just starting out? Are you in the, this point where you could see it a few years ago? This is this is actually it. Yeah, 100%. I feel like from the start of my career, I've always had um, a lot of ambitions and, and high, even, even like expectations that I've set for myself. And now that I've progressed to this point in my career, it's everything that I've dreamed of and imagined. But at the same time, it's only, it's only the start for me. It's like a, the start of a new beginning for me. And I know there's even more to come. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we're going to come to that in a second. I could jump straight in there because one of the first things I noticed um, during the rap game was your drive and ambition. And I want to come to that. But first, come on, let's push it a bit more. You've got the new single coming out. Tell us about the single. When, when did you write it? Is the video done? Tell us all about it. Yeah, so I wrote the single um, a few months ago. The creative process um, behind the single started from a conversation with my friends where I was in limbo when I, when I uh, won the rap game. I was quite unsure what angle I wanted to, to come on for the, the single. Um, and I had a conversation with my friends and it was like, Graft, make something that you want to make. Make something that is authentically yourself and unique. And don't worry about the opinions of everyone else. Just make something that you enjoy. So after that conversation, which was needed, um, that's when I went on to, you know, create and, and write for my single, You Know What. Um, um, it's How would I describe it? It's like a jazz-infused 
drill song. The the main sample in the song is a is a trumpet. Um, it's very like it's very unique and just in your face. You can just it's just there, um, which I really like. And the music video's done. We shot that in Leeds. I had to rep from my city and make sure I shot that in Leeds. Of course, of course. Yeah, man. And the audio for the single is out on Thursday the eighth. Um, so it'll be out by the time this is out. Um, yeah. And the music video will be out as well. So I hope everyone takes it in. I know you're all going to enjoy it. Like, it's a banger. It's amazing. <laughs> I just can't wait for everyone to see it. Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, it must be. It must have been so frustrating, though, when, you know, when... Uh, maybe I'm jumping ahead here, Alex, but they, uh, uh, you know, after winning, but then not really been able to do as much as you would have done had the situation across, well, the world <laughs> been, been normal. Um, did you have to kind of have a word with yourself or did you have someone else to kind of talk you down as well? Because it must have been, you know, it was right at the point where you you were, you were had the opportunity to make the absolute most of what, what you just achieved. Um, and then you kind of stuck a little bit but because you, you, you're, you're not able to go out to, to, to perform. With, obviously, with that, you know, with everything going on the, in, in the world, um, it's, it's, it's been difficult for everyone. It's been difficult for me as an artist, especially taking away that, that live performance aspect, you know, just vibing with people's energy and performing live. Um, but one thing that I'm grateful for, I've got a lot of good friends around me um, that help me stay focused, good energies, positive vibes. So they've, they've really helped me during this, this lockdown and this whole COVID outbreak. And of course, your mum. Most definitely. How can I forget my mum? She was mom. so, I tell you what, if I ever met your mum, I'd want to give her a big hug. It was, yeah. she was just, what, a, what an amazing woman. Seeing her in that series, I was as happy for her as I was, uh, as I was for you. And uh, it was, it was really lovely to, to hear you speak about uh, your mum uh, in such a way as well. So you were a good footballer. Yeah, still am. I'm sure you are, mate. I'm sure you are. In <laughs> fact, when this goes out, England have either made it to the final and won yeah. or lost. Fingers crossed. fingers crossed. He's got fingers crossed, the Leeds boy. So tell me a bit about your, your relationship with music and football growing growing up were you know were they symbiotic were they both together because I'm interested in knowing how then that split how did you then go do you know what football's done for me and I'm focusing on on being a musician so yeah growing up um background just heavily influenced by music and football um from a young age my, my first passion was football um but in the in, in my mum's household and from my family members and even my friends, I grew up around so many different genres of music. So I've always had a love for music. Um, then from a young age, I started playing football consistently, you know, local Sunday route, um, grass um, Sunday teams, um, grassroots football. And then I got signed for Bradford at 14. And then at 16, I moved to Leeds United and signed in a, a scholarship there where I played under-18s and reserves football. And then I then moved to Rotherham United where I played reserves and, and in and out of the first team there. So I've been at numerous different clubs, but the best, the best club that I've been at just for the whole experience is the, it's the club I support. It was at Leeds United, um, hands down. And just for me, like growing up and playing football, 
that's that was my main passion. Um, but whilst I was at Leeds, around yeah, sixteen, I was I was putting out music myself. I was putting out freestyles on YouTube. I was putting out music videos. And my time at Leeds, that's when I was really building a lot of momentum for myself right, okay. as a footballer and as a musician as well. So when I was at Leeds, um, I was putting out music. My coaches were playing it. The players were playing it. Like no, everyone, really. Yeah, yeah. Everyone was really behind it. I'd perform it like the Christmas dues. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, literally. I'd write poems. I'd write raps. So... The clubs that I was at, like they were very supportive of, of my music career. And at, I'd say at Leeds and Rotherham, they were, they were very much just like, like that very close. It was football. That was, always, that was my main priority then. But I'd always like to make music because that was like a creative release for me. Um, it was a way where I could unwind and enjoy a separate hobby to football. Um, but after my time at Rotherham had come to an end and all those years of doing football and music back and forth and balancing both, yeah. my football career wasn't going as well as I would have liked it to after I left Rotherham. And this, I was at the age of about 18. So I thought, yeah, cool. I'm going to go on trial at all of these other professional clubs. I went on trial at Sheffield Wednesday, Barnsley, um, some semi-pro clubs. And things just weren't working out. And even when I was at the, the club's prior, I always used to think to myself, is there going to be a point where I'm going to have to make a decision on choosing one? And I always thought, no, I can do both. I can do both. <laughs> and, yeah. And then eventually it got to that point after years of deliberation, I'm going to put my all into music. Yeah. My career in football is not going as well as I want but my music career is, is, is going amazing. People know me, people really support my music. So I'm going to give my all. And after I made that decision at about, say, I think I was 19. From that point, I've never looked back. And my career in music has just gone from height to height. But I've never stopped playing football. I just play as a hobby now. I don't play at the same level. I just play for enjoyment. Do you play for a team still? Yeah, yeah, I play every Saturday, 11 aside, um, for a team in Leeds called Carlton Athletic. Nice. I love, love it. it. Yeah. I don't know about you, Alex, but, um, you know, when, uh, obviously, listeners, Graft is, um, is a few years younger than Alex and myself. I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm just massive, a few, just a few, just, you know, 20 odd. But when, <laughs> when we were growing up and watching football, um, whenever you read about footballers in, you know, Match Magazine or 90 Minutes or whatever, and it, you know, you had yeah. these Q&As with footballers and it asked them about, you know, what, what's, on the, what's on the car stereo? What's in your Walkman? Yeah, um, I remember them. And every single footballer had the most atrocious musical taste. It was oh. absolutely awful. Yeah. Um, and I yeah. feel like, it's changed. <laughs> it's changed that music and football has become, so I think since maybe the, I'm, to, I'm talking kind of late 80s, early 90s. Yes. Oh yeah. Football has had terrible taste in music. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but nowadays, I think it's far more reflective of, you know, what young people are listening to. It's true. But in fact, Graft, you, didn't you do something with Aston Villa player? 
yes, um, I did something on BBC Match of the Day X um, where I met Courtney Hose from uh, Aston Villa. That's right, Courtney, right. yes. Because he's also a musician as well um, as a professional footballer. Um, we then performed a rap at the end where he rapped about Aston Villa and other his footballing inspirations. And then I just rapped about Leeds United and the players there and the, yeah. and the staff. Mate, yeah. he, what, he was not up to your standards. <laughs> <laughs> you were very kind to him. You were very kind to him. Are there quite a few, are there quite a few um, footballers who've got a bit of um, music about them? Because I know, I mean, a, a, a fellow Leeds United player, uh, Patrick Bamford, I know he's a, he's a, a pretty competent piano player. Um, but do you know any other f- um, footballers who are actually, they've got yeah. a bit of game? Yeah, I do. Uh, Mem- Memphis Depay. Um, oh, he yeah, yeah. He makes music videos. Really? Depay does? Yeah, yeah, Depay. He, they're out there. To see. Um, with, it's like kind of interesting seeing his videos because you know how like a lot of the, the bigger rappers are just the stereotypical rappers, chains, girls, like cars and all that. All, all of those type of stuff is in all his the bling, videos. All the bling. Yeah, yeah, all the bling. So he's got that in his videos. Um, Yannick Balassi, he's a really good MC. Yannick, Bal- you are kidding me. Yeah, y- Yannick Balassi, he's been on, um, he's been on one extra before and done ciphers. Yeah, you're kidding. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good MC. I want to see Yannick Balassi doing freestyle, please. I've got to see that. I've got to see Yannick Balassi freestyling. When we were growing up, we had Chris Waddle and Glenn Hoddle doing Diamond Lights and Fog on the Tyne and. Um, yeah, John Barnes doing John the Anfield Barnes, rap. The Anfield rap. Yeah, um, yeah, it was shocking. Let's take you, Graft, back to when you were younger. What was your mum or what music was being played in your house? So in my house um, specifically, my mum was playing a lot of lovers rock, reggae, uh, right. R&B, soul. Um, my dad used to play a lot of like, um, I think he described it as is it blues like Barry White and Barry White, yeah, yeah man, Barry White, those type of artists. And then myself growing up, I was listening to rap, hip hop, grime, and and like garage. What artists? What artists were you listening to? I was listening to um, artists like Getz. Oh yeah, Kano, Skepta, Wiley, um, a hip hop group from America called Little Brother. I don't yeah. know if you've ever heard of Ninth Wonder. He's a hip hop um, producer from America. Yeah, no, I feel like I, I should know. You'll know Wonder. his stuff. You'll know his stuff. Um, Jay Z, Nas. Um, Nas was a really big inspiration of mine. So growing up, like I had all of these different genres of music, and it's really helped me in my music career now and just the artist that I am because I appreciate so many different genres. Um, and I feel like it just makes you a better musician when you've grown up listening to different styles of music and you appreciate music as a whole because you can add that into your artistry. And that's yeah, why it's do. true. You you can hear that in your tracks as well, even in your your first album, oh, which would have been way back. You've got you've got guitars in there. You've got some nice guitar lines. Um, you've got a variety of genres, even a bit of jazz. You've got a variety of genres in that. So I can, yeah, I can tell that you, you grew up listening to, to all kinds. 
So were you did you start um by just rapping along in 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 your bedroom? Was that I mean I'm I'm guessing that's how the majority would start. Yeah, literally spawn like I started writing lyrics when I was 13 um and a lot of my first lyrics were about the world. Um, it was they were about politics, things that I didn't like going on in the world, how I felt emotionally, and just rapping about my life um, on a day-to-day basis. So they were very honest, and I feel like that set me in in a good in a good stead for um, my music career because starting writing lyrics, you know, so honest and and thoughtful and conscious, it, it, that's remained with me um, today. And there's always an element of consciousness or just something, you know, real and, and, and thought-provoking and, and meaningful in, in my songs and lyrics up to now. And that will always be the case. an accident as a 13 year old or did you already realize that you wanted to avoid what was already sort of cliches you know talking about women in a specific way talking about bling talking about um you know violence or or gang um culture etc etc did you as a 13 year old think I, I don't understand that. This is what I care about. All it was about was I was just rapping about my reality and what I believed in, what I thought was was right and what I thought was true. Um, and just because I started rapping like that, it's just, it's just something that has remained within me. And I feel like also it was a, it was a way I expressed myself um, when, I, when I never spoke to my mom or my dad or whoever. Music was a form of release for me. It was a creative expression. I suppose, like um, like any write, any good writing, yeah, you write about what you know first. Um, yeah. even even the most fantastical stories that that people write, you know, science fiction, all it's it's a it's based in what they feel. It's often yeah. based on ideas that they hold, or it's based on their their lives. Um. And I think that's, I think you were right to do that, to go down that route early doors, um, to write about what you, what you know, rather than kind of make, making something out of yourself that you, you're not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like being real to myself is one of the, one of the, the morals that I stand by in my life, because especially in music and in, in life generally, a lot of people like to create this false persona to live up to people's expectations and it's not the lifestyle that they live or that's not them. But I'm very real to myself. So starting off writing lyrics just about what's true to me, that's remained with me and it always will. I'll never lie to myself on lying in the music I create. But you know, I'm just, because there's so much in that, I could talk about it for ages. I just want to acknowledge that's what you've done and that's what you're good at because a lot of people, a lot of artists will say exactly what you've just said, but it is not reflected in their lyrics. And, and, and I don't believe it then. I hear the lyrics and I think, 
that's, that's not you at all. You've, you've got no clue about that, which is why I respect more people. So especially with hip hop too, I grew up with Public Enemy and Beastie Boys, you know, black activists and white Jewish kids from New York. And both of them rapped about what they knew about Beastie Boys. You know, it was just daft stuff, daft B-boy stuff. But that was still great. And then Public Enemy, they were probably my first real musical inspiration. Uh, and they were rapping about what they really knew about. And so a lot of artists say that that's what they are going to do. They're going to be true to themselves and do, and it just doesn't happen. But you've managed to do that. And, and that was acknowledged throughout the rap game as well, which, which I think is credit to you. And people notice straight away, hang on. This kid is rapping about different things. And also, I think they recognize that you had that wonderful accent. And at last, our, our northern musicians are keeping their accents, whether it's, you know, on the indie side of life over the past years with Arctic Monkeys. You know, Alex Turner's never changed his voice to, you know, H. H keeps that Mancunian twang. And so I, it was really good. I have to say as well to to rep for for Scotland, Shogun. Um, um, yeah, yeah. It was so refreshing hearing not yeah. just like a watered down Scottish accent. <laughs> there was there was some stuff in there, and I I understood it all because I've I've spent six years in Glasgow, but um, I can imagine there was a lot of people in that room a lot of the time going. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm enjoying his see. delivery, but I've got absolutely not a clue what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and 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 with that, and obviously with that, like with Shogun, one thing I really love about Shogun is unapologetically himself wherever he is. So he would just he just keep the accent, everything that is 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 him. He does. Yeah. He's not filtering it for no one, and I just love that about Shogun, man. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, obviously, you were my, you were my favourite. All right, Graft, you were my favourite. But if anyone else was to win, I would I'd want it to be Sugar. Yeah. <laughs> it was even I, I would rewind it and listen again because I was there. I'm trying to get my ear in, trying to listen. <laughs> subtitles. It must on. be yeah. It must be a nightmare battling against Shogun because you're there going. I can't even respond to that because I don't even know what this kid's saying. I know he's ins insulting me. He's insulting <laughs> yeah. me in some way, but I've got no idea what he's insulting did, about me. <laughs> did you mention my mother? I, I, I don't even know. What, what, what you... <laughs> so going back to music, your, your parents, did they go to live gigs? When, when, when did you become aware of sort of live music? Um, yeah, my parents went to live gigs. Um, my dad's from Jamaica. And my mum's from my mum's from the UK, and when I've spoke to um, both of them, but even more so, my mum, she used to go to um, a lot of live gigs with reggae artists and 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 lovers rock artists, um, and she's told me that they've been some of her best experiences. Yeah, and even like even like singers like as well. She mentioned a singer called Layla Hathaway to me. Um, I don't Layla Hathaway. That rings a bell. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it sounds familiar. Well, she, she's mentioned Layla Hathaway to me before, and um, she said that was one of the best live performances she's ever been to because it was so, like, intimate and wholesome. Um, Layla said, no phones recording, just be in the moment. And yes. 
my mum just appreciated that so much and she, she always yeah. speaks about that. Um, in terms of myself, my first ever live performance that I watched was um, N-Dubs and Labyrinth. Yes, that's yeah. a corker. Yeah. Was that in yeah. Leeds? No, that that was in, I think that was in Man- Manchester or Birmingham. It was one of the two. Yeah. Oh, wicked. Yeah. And was that, was that like, um, was that your doing? Were you like, mum, there's this gig. I've got to go and see it. Was it like your your choice? Was it, or, or were you sort of dragged along by friends? Yeah, I, I was dragged along uh, by a close friend of mine at the time. Um, but I was I was a big fan of End Ups. So <laughs> when he mentioned that to me, it all came around from his friend. His his sister used to work at O2, and obviously all, a lot of the gigs are hosted at O2. So she yeah. got some free tickets. She asked her brother, which was my friend at the time. He asked me, and then we just went along and. It was an amazing show, man. Like that, that really inspired me, honestly. And how old were you? How how old were you at that point? Ah, 15, 15, 16. What was it? What was it that inspired? Because I'm always interested in knowing from people what hooked them. What mm. what was it about it that inspired you? I think firstly, it was my first ever live performance that I'd, I'd gone to. That was, that was one of the, the main reasons. But secondly, because I knew of N-Dubs, I really liked their songs. I was a big fan. So watching them perform to me and I'm singing their lyrics back to them and we're just in this room and the energy is just crazy and it just felt so good being in there. That it was, it be, it was such a memorable moment because of that. But at the same time, even like the little things, they had merchandise on sale. I bought a T-shirt. I bought, yes. this, I bought this little pen that they had and I had it for years. So the merch, the merch just added to the whole, the whole moment because after it was done, I still had the things that related to that moment. So it always reminded me of it. Um, and it was just so good. Just everything, everything. Was there a bit of projection there as well? Just, and I'll explain what I mean. Um, so you, you're in the crowd and you're, you're feeling the buzz as the, the, the crowd's just, you know, properly getting into it. But I, I know that, it's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a saxophonist. I, I, I don't play guitar. I've never played guitar. But um, I can imagine being there in that crowd going, I want to be up there doing that to this lot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I definitely see what you're saying. But I can't even lie to you, at that moment, my, my main focus was football. So I, I, I always thought, <laughs> yeah, when I was young, I thought, yeah, I'm going to play for England. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be a pro at Leeds. So that was my main focus then. But obviously, I've always enjoyed music. So just being in the crowd and appreciating their artistry and their songs, I think I was just, I was just a fanboy, really, at that point. Yeah, that was the best fanboy. way. Because the yeah. there is, there's, there's those firsts. And I remember a lot of my first. So I remember the first book. So in fact, Graf, Chris and I are both, we're both big football fans. And um, I remember my first football game. So I'm a Cardiff boy. Sorry, Graf. Um, I remember my first football match. I remember the colours. I remember the noise. I remember likewise my first rugby. Um, I remember the cold at mine. Oh, 
grief. It was, it it was freezing. It, it was in January, and I'm a St Johnston fan, and it was St Johnston. They were playing Berwick Rangers, and I, I lived <laughs> quite close to Berwick, so oh, Berwick God. is on the coast. This was January on the coast, and it was snowing. Freezing. So you had the snow coming in sideways from the sea <laughs> and it went to extra time as well. St. John- Johnston won 4-3 after extra time and Brilliant. I've never been as cold in all my life. <laughs> but you remember those things. Yeah. And they and they sort of, they make or break it. Yeah, well, I, I, I kind of forgot about the cold afterwards because we won 4-3 and I thought, brilliant, every game is 4-3. You get seven <laughs> goals in every game. Yeah, good luck with that. If it had been nil-nil and it was the first leg and there wouldn't have been extra time, game then over. I'd, yeah, that's it. I'm 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 a tennis man, <laughs> you know. But, <laughs> but those those firsts, I wish I could be with people at all their firsts. So that what I just enjoyed about this graft, obviously, it's no good for listeners because they can't see you. The enthusiasm with which you just told us about that gig, you could see on your face. It was so, it was, I mean, you couldn't smile. You've got the biggest smile in the world anyway, but you couldn't smile, have smiled anymore. And it's that, I took my little brother, who's like six foot three or something. I took him to his first gig and it was the prodigy in Newport Leisure Center. And I will never forget his face. He would have been 14, 15. and, And the prodigy would come on stage and Liam, who did all the knob twiddling, he would come on and just make noises and just test all the bass. And and still to this day, apart from a, a group called Leftfield, a band, an electronic band called Leftfield, I've never felt bass like this anywhere. And I've you know seen all kinds hip hop, drum and bass, uh, techno. No one has a bass like the Prodigy. Sorry, Lee Scratch Perry has. Well, Lee Scratch Perry's sound system is pretty massive, isn't it? I'm watching my brother's face and he's looking at his chest at his T-shirt because I think he bought a T-shirt as well, merchandise graft. And he's watching the bass shake his chest and his T-shirt and he's just going, what what is this experience? And I just remember him being blown away. And, you know, we talk about it now. And in fact, there was a little band called the Foo Fighters that supported them. (laughs) <laughs> so his first gig was the prodigy sport by Foo Fighters. So firsts, they they really do have that that big impression. And so obviously, Endubs and Labyrinth, you were like, yeah, I'm loving this. I'm loving this kind of stuff. I can remember. I can remember the trainers I wore. Um, wow. Oh, that see now this is the stuff we love. What what trainers were you wearing? It was all white. So imagine I wore all white trainers to this inbox. Live performance. Big mistake. <laughs> Were they all white at the end of the gig? I, I can I can honestly tell you they were all white at the end of the at the end of the gig because I was so like conscious of them during the gig to stay <laughs> to stay away from getting trampled on that I kept them white. <laughs> but I enjoyed I enjoyed it just as much, even though I was considering my trainers. <laughs> Brilliant! I love it. I love yeah. it. <laughs> All white Nike trainers with like straps on. And I remember um, my friend saying, how can you wear all white to a gig? And I'm like, I just want to look nice, man. That (laughs) is brilliant. Were they Air Force Ones? No, they were uh, Air Force. 
that is class. <laughs> so did you start then? Because obviously you'd have been, time-wise, a lot of your time would have been taken up with football, uh, yeah. uh, playing at that level. Did you? Were you able to go to gigs sort of frequently? And also, in the rap world, gigs are quite different. They're quite a normal thing. You know, it doesn't have to be in front of a big crowd this is you performing as well sort of what what happened did you carry on seeing gigs and when did your your sort of rap and uh, sort of events start yeah so i i continued to see uh, more gigs as i got older i feel like at 14 15 the music i was listening to then um was very like grime influenced and a lot of the grime artists that i listened to were based in london um and yeah, many of them, all of us yeah yeah so, and many of them weren't really doing like big um live live performances or live performances that i knew of yeah. so i never went to see any of them until i got older but the ones that i can remember i seen Daneo um yeah live perform live at leeds carnival which oh was, wicked yeah that was an amazing experience he, he's yeah, really, really good and then the next one after the nail would have been Drake at the Leeds Arena. Um, I've seen Drake. That's, that's pretty big. Yeah, it's pretty big. It's a big step up. Yeah. Um, so even though I was still playing football at those times, I was still going to see the live performances when I could. And I was just as excited for them um, from my first performance I've seen live. See, so for me... And my kids, my kids, when they were sort of first old enough to realize I was listening to grime and stuff, I had to explain to them that Wiley and Dizzy Rascal, they're, they're your dad's age. And they're like, what? They're like, your age. So what I always got used to get frustrated about was I was obsessed with Dizzy, Wiley, um, Skepta and Kano in the early days, you know, in the turn of the century and in the early 2000s. It was years until I got to see him live because it's sort of not, it's, it's not that kind of thing, is it? There's not, you, you, you didn't get Wiley doing a massive tour of all venues, all the country. The, the sort of, the, the rap, the rap society is quite a small and localized so we'd have to go to london and try and find an event and and work out where wiley was going to turn up you know yeah and i totally agree with you and the reason why that is is because grime at that time was more of an underground sound it was it was more absolutely absolutely it was it was more recognized in the streets in local areas so people in those areas where the grime artists were they used to put on like the grime sets in their houses, in the cellars. Yeah. Um, and then the people locally, they would go to that. Um, but when grime started to become more mainstream and rap music as well, that's when those artists started to do more live performances and the fans that knew about them could actually go and experience that live performance with them. When grime started to get, you know, the mainstream backing, the funding, and it moved away from just being underground that's when more people could visibly see like, wow, these are grime artists. This genre is grime. This is what they're doing. This is the culture. Um, so, yeah. So mm. as somebody, as somebody who um, has 
a, a very loose knowledge of um, the different styles in hip hop and rap. Um, how how would you define grime um, um, compared to you know garage or um, I don't know what the I don't know how I would describe it. Um, why would I be able to? Because I, I don't listen to a massive amount. But how how would you graft? I I, I feel I feel like I break it down like this. Um, grime culture stems from a lot of clashing. So an MC versus another MC in in in, in lyrical warfare, trying to beat their opponent. Um, energy, character, charisma, flair. Um, flaws, metaphors, who tonality, um, just that really grimy essence, underground street essence of music where people are emceeing about their life, their, their surroundings, um, their views. And grime, grime is very fast paced. It's 140 BPM. It's very fast paced. It has that grimy essence where it's, it's just in your face and you feel the bass, the, the flows, and it's all about kind of like, who's the best? Who's the best MC in the room? It's Grimes, a very competitive genre, in your face and, and an energetic um, street essence. Yeah. But yet you can still reckon, and I, I can, if you took all vocals off a, off a Grime track, if you just heard the... Uh, the, the bass lines or the beats or the rhythms, you can still hear and go, yeah, that's grime. That one's not. And and it's really hard. And I'm not, I'm, especially because I'm not a, a musician myself. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure how I know that, but just listen to it or what it is, is the difference, but you can definitely, it's just a, it's an energy. It's an energy and it's a sound on that, that, that sort of bass snare, it's a, and and I, I like that you said it's a culture because that has always been the case, I think, with hip hop. And I just put a blanket hip hop. So all hip hop rap and all the genres within there, it's always been about a culture. So with Public Enemy, it was a culture. With Run DMC back in, you know, before them, it was a culture. With the early boys in the late 70s, you know, Grandmaster Flash, it was a culture. It was it was it was always about kids on the street. When did you start performing or go into battles as a rapper? I started performing at 16. And um, where? I was performing at, um, what was I performing? Performing. I was perform performing at local centers in my, in my community. Um, I was actually performing in, in clubs, um, I was performing in clubs local um, to yeah. my community. Um, I was performing at university um, halls. Um, and I was performing outside with friends. I was performing at Leeds Carnival. Like, just a number of different places. But I, I remember my first ever performance, and that was at Leeds University campus. Um, they have a room where live performances go on. And I was, I was 16, 17, and I got booked for this performance and I'd only released freestyles on the internet. Wicked. 
So when I'm doing this live performance and the crowd's there, I'm literally just spraying my freestyle lyrics. And the crowd know the lyrics because I've done the videos on YouTube and they're just going crazy. And I'm saying one thing, dropping it out, and then they're saying the next. And from that moment, from that moment on, that's when I knew I was I was a great performer, but also performing is 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 unmatched. It's unmatched, literally. See, that's that's incredible because artists and bands can take years to get that, and yet in rap culture you got that at the age of 16 because you put some YouTube videos out, you went to perform and already at that age and because of the modern age of YouTube and things, you had, you had people you've never seen who were probably three, four, five years older than you yeah. repeating your lyrics back. That is wicked, isn't it? That That's just... No songs out, just freestyle videos. <laughs> wow. And so what yeah. was that, what was that feeling like then when you, when you first clocked that, Oh my God, they're actually, they know what I'm going to say next. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That must have been really odd. It was, it was surreal because I felt like I was, I was doing something that was so different to the idea of where I'd, I'd see myself in my life. Because at that age, I, I always wanted to be a footballer. So being, yeah, be, being on stage and performing and people are just giving us giving off this amazing energy and they they're repeating my lyrics, they know my lyrics word for word, and I've just I've just wrote these at home. <laughs> and they're repeating my lyrics. It was like, wow, is this is this the life that I could have? But at that point I was just enjoying everything, um, football and music, but it was it was amazing. It was a great taste for for everything that I've, I've experienced already. It was a good starting point, amazing starting point. And, and you're, only, you're only 21 now, aren't you? 22. 22, <laughs> exactly. You've got, you've got your whole career ahead of you. Yeah. Now, we're going to go on to what we call the quick fire round, nice. which over the episodes has become quite ironic because it's never quick fire. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll make it quick fire then. I'll do it. Oh, it's not you. It'll be me. Yeah, it'll be it'll be Alex. Alex is giving it giving it all that. performer favorite live performer is gets i'm gonna get tickets for him he's playing at the end of the year and he's playing oh you should come over to manchester he's playing the albert hall uh because i'm getting to little sims and gets are playing the albert hall and uh i should be there in fact chris i'm gonna take you to see gets oh yeah so what makes him special oh i was, I was gonna answer that. that's not even me yeah i, I don't, don't care what me. you think alex no exactly <laughs> <laughs> What makes Get So Special is that when I've looked at every other UK artist's live performance compared to his, his energy and his charisma 
and the way he's a, a mic and crowd controller is unmatched. I've not seen anything like it ever. He's so he's so controlled. Controlled. He's so controlled and smooth with it. It's crazy. Yeah. And you know, I've never seen him live physically. I've just watched his live performances stream on YouTube. And even from my bedroom, I'm in awe. Right. Man, we we need to go see him. Therefore. It, it's it's interesting because I, I know there's a lot of there's a lot of comedy there's a lot of humor in, in hip hop and rap and I, I remember hearing Russell Brand talking about um, his way of doing stand up and the fact that he's so in control that he, he he will have an audience in front of him and he'll realize that some parts of the audience are reacting to certain parts of his set in a different way to other ones and they'll react to something a bit you know, more risque. These ones are laughing to the quick one-liners. And he'll kind of just go back to each part of the audience. And it's almost like spinning plates. You're kind of keeping each part of the audience. Is it that kind of vibe that you you, you feel like he has or the other other hip-hop artists have? Right, definitely. That That is an element to his performance, like, no doubt. He, he, he keeps everyone engaged, even from his his body language, his hand gesture, um, the way his tone when he'll he'll say one lyric in a certain way and then to put emphasis on another word, he then say it differently and it's like, ah, oh, it's it's crazy, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Didn't he guest in your series of rap game? One he get he. he it was he, season one, was it? Yeah, on the clash. I would have loved. I would have loved That's him. That's right. On my clash. Oh yeah, Paul Pogba. Um, <laughs> anyway, this is the quick fire round. Quick fire round. What's what's the worst gig you've ever been to? Cool. I got an answer for you. Quick. Um, I performed at a place in Leeds called Millennium Square. For, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For um, a festival called Salute to Reggae. Um, so okay. my set. I did my own like style of music, but I also incorporated some of the reggae and lovers rock songs that I grew up listening to because yeah. the it was an older crowd. Um, my performance was amazing. I, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> watching watching some of the other reggae artists who were a lot older now and, and, and kind of like past their time, um, some of them were just, it wasn't it. It wasn't it, man. Very boring. Um, and disengaging to say the least but no disrespect to them it just wasn't for me <laughs> it's sad that isn't it though when you you see those artists who they just they just sort of passed it and they should in fact this is going to be controversial Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys you know I saw him perform just a couple of years ago at Kendall Callin and forget the, the tunes that you all know and love I just watched him and thought this shouldn't be happening. You know, it, it was, it, I felt it was really sad. I felt really sad and thought, no, this is, this is bad. It, it would be like sending Gaza out onto a football pitch now. It just, yeah. it would just be morally wrong. You know, it just wouldn't, just wouldn't be right. Yeah. That's, that's sad. Talking about people who are past it and um, I've had their day. You're listening to the Gig Stories podcast <laughs> with Chris and Alex. <laughs> <laughs> And we are well past it. <laughs> and we're in the middle of the quick fire rounds. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And um, what's your favourite venue, either to play or to go as a punter? 
Um, my favourite venue so far that I've been to is Leeds Direct Arena. And again, why? Why would you say that's... Is it just because of the memories or is it because um, there's something special about about the space or what would you say? Um, the capacity of the of the arena, um, the memories that I've, I've, I've shared there and experienced. I've seen J. Cole and Drake there, two of my favourite artists. And I also have ambitions to perform there for myself. Um, so it's kind of like I'm trying to manifest that into my life as well. So... I'm excited for that day. Uh, that's it. Manifestation. You need to listen to our Johnny Kelsey episode. Manifestation. That's yes. it. Yes. He loves that, Johnny. In fact, you should, every answer now, Graft, should just be Leeds Direct Arena. <laughs> yeah. Keep manifesting, that's brother. It. That's it. His two, his two things were manifestation and the universe. It's the universe. Put it out into the universe. It'll come back. If you could choose anyone to collaborate with on record and then perform it live, but only one person, only one, who's it going to be? One person, I'm going to have to go, two came to my mind, but I'm going to go with Gets. Um, oh, who was the second person, just out of interest? Santan Dave, Dave. Oh, man, he is so good. Well, I was just going to add to that question as well, just, um, a collaboration but something from left field if you were to collaborate with somebody from Ooh. maybe a different genre um oh yeah who 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 would that be who do you who do you admire um from maybe somebody who's outside of the rap hip-hop genre i would I'd, I'd go for um quick fire i could i won't i won't think too much That's um, okay. no go on please do <laughs> um, i feel like i feel like a reggae artist called Chronics. Oh, Chronics, yeah. Yeah, I think it would be really good to link up with him, actually speak to him, um, make music, and, and actually put that on, on one song. Um, I feel like it'd be amazing. I feel like it'd be really good. Yeah, it, it, wouldn't, it would absolutely would not be out of place with some of the tracks you've already done. That sound. Yeah, yeah. that... Oh. In fact, yeah, I'm 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 more into that than Gets. I mean, yes, come on, Gets is the man, but that do straight away you and Chronics that would be wicked collaboration. I like that. I like that. Last question of the quick fire round. Uh, favorite vocalist. Oh yeah. Um, for favorite vocalist. Um, who am I going to go with? Who am I going to go with? Um... Do you know what? Can we split that? Yeah. Favorite vocalist. So favorite singer. And then I want your favorite rapper, nice. but because of the because of the sound, because of the sound, because of, the, of their voice, because of their voice. I know because there's rhythms and delivery, but whose voice do you hear and just go, oh, I just love the sound of that voice. Mm. Cool. So for singer, I'm gonna go off sound for both. Andrina Mill. Andrina Mill, yeah, she, she, she sang more than once with, with Drake, and she potentially. But one of my favorite songs of Drake's is "Closer to My Dreams," and yeah. the sound of her voice is is beautiful with the yeah. instrument. Um, yeah. So just for the, the 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 fact of her, the sound of her voice on this song, 
I'll go with that. Um, sound of the a rapper's voice. Um, yeah. I'll go with, let's say, Nas. He's just like floating on beats. Yeah, he does. You know what? Nas or Tupac. Nas or Tupac. Okay. I, I, I'm more of a Nas. I never, it, bizarrely, I never, never jumped in to Tupac. But Nas, and I've been lucky enough to see Nas a couple of times as well, live. And yeah, he's, man, wow. he's incredible. He's incredible. Man, we... That was the quick fire round, everyone. <laughs> yeah, that was the quick fire round. And there's loads I want to ask you because time is flying. I want to do this, especially, and this was sort of, I was just going to hide this one depending on time. But because of, because of your answers, we're going to go to fantasy festival okay you are curating your own live music festival you ready for this graftonbury yes maybe i'll just edit that out that's bad it's a dad it it happens when you're a dad graft <laughs> yeah yeah that's a dad joke that's a dad so joke we got we got graftonbury oh. right or it now could be it could be graftitude Oh, gratitude. Yeah, gratitude. No. Or it could be. I'm definitely editing that out. And... <laughs> I ain't making the cut. No, no, no. Graphs, we're going to have to think of what would Graphs Festival be. It's going to be in Millennium Square. Now, you've got four things to think of here. Yeah. First, you've got two DJ slots. So who's going to DJ? And then you've got a new artist that you're going to choose a new up-and-coming artist, and then you've got a warm-up, someone that you, you just think, oh, it's just so good at working a crowd, and then you've got your headline act, okay? Now, again, this, this can cross whatever genres you want. You know, if you said to me, Barry White is headlining, brilliant. <laughs> so any genres. So first, you've got two DJ slots. Who's going to be DJing for you? I'd say... Ninth Wonder. Okay. He's gonna play even, everything. I don't even know if he's a DJ, but I know he could I know he could run some good some good hip hop to set the vibe. Can you um, imagine his set list if he was just playing the stuff he'd produced? Amazed. <laughs> yeah, that's what DJs would want to play. Okay, yeah. so you're gonna have ninth wonder. Ninth wonder and um who else? I would say um my friend called Kamal. Kamal. Now we're talking. Now yeah. we're talking. Your mate. My friend called Kamal. What does what does Kamal do? Is he a DJ? Does he play sort of be? Is he playing beats at battles or is he an actual mixing DJ? What, what what's Kamal all about? So Kamal is the DJ and producer. Okay, um, cool. The producer first and foremost, but he's also got the the DJ string to his bow as well. What does he um, go under? What uh, what kind of name does he go under, or does he just go under Kamal? He he goes under the the name of uh, Courageous Beats, but spelt with a, a K. Courageous okay. Beats. Yeah. And have you have you worked with him before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We I've worked with him a few times. He was okay. one of the, one of the friends um, that I mentioned who sat sat down with me and had the conversation about um, making the song I wanted to make. Good. Um, he was he was one of the two yeah he sounds like a wise kid he's a keeper he's a keeper 
nice one, Kamal. Lots of love to you, fella. Okay. Um, Who's yeah. your new artist going to be then? You want to put something on to showcase so that, you know, people can see someone that they should be keeping their eye on in the future. Um, I think I'm going to have to go with new artists. Again, I'm going to go for my friend, D5. 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 Uh, D5, yeah, he's a local Leeds artist. And I feel like his uh, music is amazing. His performance is amazing. And the vibe that he brings to crowds and, and creates is, is, is like really good. So I'm going to go with D5. Loving yeah. that. Loving that. We're going to have to check out D5. Okay. It's getting closer to the headline act, but you've got a warm up you know, the support slots that are really going to get the crowd ready for the headline act. D5 has got them buzzing, but yeah. we need to take them up to the next level. Keep them yeah. frothing. Um, I'm probably going to have to go with Stormzy. Stormzy is the warm-up for the headliner. <laughs> yeah, like, I, the warm-up, man. I cannot wait to see who the headliner is. <laughs> Does it begin with a G? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He's all right, people. He's and here. Does it end with a raft? <laughs> okay. Stormzy is the warm-up because um, when I've watched his set at Glastonbury, I thought that was historic. Obviously, although he headlined it, um, I just know the energy that he brings to live performances and just everything that he does live is amazing. Like, really good. And now someone's going to come on stage after him. At your festival, so who <laughs> who is headlining? If 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 I if I'm not headlining my own, and I'm not going to put it myself because I feel like that's just like more unusual. We're we're, we're going to put it. You're headlining, but in the other world, who is going to who can follow live in Stormzy's footsteps? I think who can follow Stormzy live musically? Yeah. I haven't seen him perform live, but I know musically, especially yeah. for what I appreciate, and even from what you guys have said as well, I believe Kendrick Lamar, uh. live, headlining my, 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 my festival would be amazing. Yeah, that's it, literally, bow down, 10-10. You know, with a live, with a live, um, with a live band there, you'd have the saxophonist. The, I'll do that. Uh, yep. Yeah, you can do that, Chris. <laughs> Chris could do that. Like hearing those things live, ah, oh, and Kendrick, it'd be it'd be amazing. amazing. I've just checked. I've just checked my diary, and I am free on the weekend of Graftonbury. So let's, <laughs> let's make it happen. <laughs> and, and you know what? I think Stormzy would would happily introduce and welcome onto the stage. Kendrick Lamar. Me. I, th I think you'd go, Chris, please, saxophonist. Kendrick, here we go. That I was, I was so gutted when Glastonbury cancelled last year because Kendrick, of course, was headlining. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, because I haven't seen him live. Um, but his albums and just, just as an artist, as a human being, he's so interesting because he's really pushing art. The whole thing, the whole thing. He really is an artist, isn't he, Kendrick? 
whether it's his videos, his art, his his lyrics, his voice. He he might be one of my favorite vocalists because no one sounds like you could have Kendrick Lamar reading, rapping, whatever he wants to do, nursery rhymes. And as soon as he started, you'd go, yeah, that's Kendrick Lamar. It's so unique, his voice in it, man. And it's great. It's, it's, it, his pace, his rhythm, he's, he's amazing. That is quite the festival. All we need now is to find some investors and backers and we're putting that bad boy on <laughs> August bank holiday weekend. And some insurance just in case it gets cancelled. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, because in, in just a week or so, Everything's forgotten. Hey, COVID, hey. what COVID? Um, that, that, that's, that's the festival I'm going to come to, I'll be honest. Do you know what? I'll, I'm, I'm down the front for that one. You're um, on the stage, mate, playing with Kendrick. Oh, yeah, I forgot. Yeah. I'll, I'll forget, don't forget that. Don't be I'll late. remember my saxophone. Um, we, we're, get, we're getting close to um, having a wrap up. Um, and I, I know because every episode um, has its own page on our website and we put a playlist together and we put some videos um, some youtube videos and um i know that this is going to be a proper education for me all the names that you've mentioned um i'm really looking forward to kind of having a deep dive into yes into grime and, and i said to yes. alex before i said you know this you are gonna have to to kind of just take my hand here and um because yeah, yeah, just because it because it is it's new and it's not because I I don't like it. It's just because sometimes when you don't have as much time, you just, you just go to what you know, and you go to similar things to what you know, um, and I think it's massively important to um to you know experience new types of music, especially if you even if you don't like it, listen to some more of it because you might like bits of it, <laughs> and and if you still don't yeah. like it, you've got an even better reason for not liking it um rather than just going no. definitely, definitely something actually yeah no I, I, absolutely and it sounds like kendrick lamar is is, is my man um, kendrick lamar j cole probably yeah yeah absolutely i i think i yeah i think you'd you'd, you'd like that chris so you've you, um alex you've already said that you're going to take me to see gets um who would you recommend that we go and see live Apart from Getz, I would I would recommend you go and see um, Kendrick Lamar and J Cole live. Um, and the reason why I say that, as you're you're um, a jazz musician, um, a lot of their music is heavily influenced by live instrumentation, um, soulful samples, jazz samples, um, just like live instruments. And I feel like from that element, you'd really appreciate that. But then what they bring to that and how they merge their sound with with those jazzy and soulful elements is it's amazing. Like it's it's magical, um, especially Kendrick. Um, it's amazing to, to witness, to hear how it makes you feel, the concepts of the song, what they're talking about, and just how they put it all together. I've never seen it. Um, um, done before and they're literally legends and I feel like you would appreciate their music a lot yeah no it, it sounds like I mean when I was into a bit of hip-hop I mean I don't know if you'd describe them as hip-hop but I am I, I was a massive PM Dawn fan I, I, I loved PM Dawn <laughs> um um, and a bit of De La Soul and Tribe Called Quest and yeah, I think there was Tribe that kind Quest, of baby 
there was that kind of mu- musicality as well. And I think that is maybe why I didn't go, the, you know, full on into into rap and hip hop, um, because I didn't feel like there was that much um, musicality in there um, compared to what I was listening to. But um, obviously, I'm gonna absolutely be proved wrong, which is great. There's a conversation that's that's often been had over the years with hip hop and rap fans that live, it it can so often be rubbish. The best, the the best gigs I've seen with rap and hip hop artists is when they have live instrumentation. Definitely. And 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 especially, I think that's what highlighted as well your you know famous TV moment last year. You're in front of a live orchestra, even if you'd not had that specific lyric and that physicality of walking away and coming back and that uh, sort of analogy, it, it still would have been just amazing because you, you, your voice and what you were saying just it just went with that orchestra. It was it was just brilliant. So yeah, the musicality I think is really important live with with rap and hip hop. Sorry, just one last thing. I was going to ask how that felt with with the orchestra because obviously that will have been something that. I mean, I used to play in an orchestra, but I'd, I'd never performed with an orchestra as my backing band. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Um, so what, what did that what did that feel like? Before before that performance, I'd only performed with um, live bands um, a few times. And even even when I was doing that, that was an amazing experience because it brought out a lot of the, the sounds in the instrumentals to life like, you know, the drums, the bass, um, and so forth. So then performing in front of a live orchestra, everything just sounded like a hundred times louder. Um, It it was so different, the elements from the live instruments to the the beat that it just brought everything to life. And I feel like it unleashed this energy within me, this, this natural performing energy that I have within me. And it took everything to the next level um and it was an experience that i'll never forget and i want to do it again i really would like to do it again because the live orchestra and how all of the instruments are in sync i can add the the body language and just the rapping element it just it's it's something new and we don't see it often so i'd love to do that again it lifted your performance and it lifted everyone that was in the room physically. You could see. So your performance, even though it was still very controlled, it was very, it was very emotional, very powerful. But it, that chest, and you could see Rach and Crept and Conan. They're watching and Target. They're, they're smiling, and you could see everyone sort of chest, everyone literally physically being lifted. Going, this is, and it it, it was absolutely incredible. Yeah, I can't imagine what that's like rapping in front of an orchestra. What uh, did they give you much time to rehearse with them? Ten minutes, fifteen minutes. <laughs> TV's cruel in that. That is wow. Loads of respect to you for doing that. Well, we're we're gonna come. We're gonna come to the end. We're gonna come to our last question that we always ask everyone. We ask for a recommendation of a live album or a, a specific live track or a live bit of video footage that you love. We've had everything. We've had live albums, a live track. We've had someone, someone um, recommends this, a video of Prince coming on and playing guitar and that. So what, what's something, what's your go-to, what's the album track or video that you just 
go to and watch often. And, and does it need to be a live performance? Yes. Yeah. That yeah. is the only stipulation that it needs to be live. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I don't watch this much, but if I was to recommend a live performance to someone, um, even like yourself, Chris, who's not necessarily into rap music, I would say go and watch Stones' live performance at Glastonbury, the whole set, and it will blow your mind. It will blow your mind. Production, dancers, backing, backing singers, crowd energy, Stormzy's energy, lyrics, songs. Watch that. Yep. It's, it, it's, like, it's like the perfect performance, isn't it? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I did watch it at the time and abs- I absolutely loved it. I really loved it. Um, how we did it, the look of it, the energy, but then there was that moment um, and it was so nice because my daughter just really hit home with her because we had to explain that um, for, for black ballet dancers, they'd only just introduced black ballet shoes and he had those dancers on and we just stood and everyone was just silent and it was just, Oh, it was just amazing. And then pff, he's back again. Yeah, you're right. That that energy was was outrageous. A great recommendation there, Graft. So we have to let you go because you need to go and find out who England may or may not be playing in the final. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, yeah. Before I go, guys, I just want to say thank you very much for having me. It's been an amazing conversation. And, you know, I just want to plug my, my social media stuff that the listeners on here as well. Bring it on. Bring it on. Tell us, tell us everywhere. Tell us where people can see you, where they can find you on social media and remind us of single and, and album releases and things. Definitely. So, guys, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. I am Graft, that's G-R-A-F-T, and I am all one word. Um, my brand new single is out now, you know what, through Play Dirty Records, Crepton Conan's label. That's Get on, it. On all streaming platforms, make sure you add that to your playlist, download it, buy it for just 99p on iTunes, all support, I really appreciate. And make sure you go and watch the official music video for you know what on GRM Daily out now thank you very much for having me guys it's been a pleasure speaking to you honestly bless you my friend that was lovely the pleasure the privilege is ours thank you Grant. we are graft what a talent and what just a lovely what a lovely man he was great wasn't he yeah and i I think if we do ever i mean i know i've mentioned your knees um earlier (laughs) on but if we do get our gig stories podcast five a side team together graft is i I didn't ask him um, is he a defender uh, no, actually, yeah, he was. He uh, he was a oh, a defensive midfielder, I think. Perhaps. Right. Okay. 
So, yeah, I mean, kind of midfield general. Oh, can you imagine that? Imagine playing against stories, Graft. Five sides, and we've got Graft in the team. Yeah. In fact, yeah, the Gig Stories five-a-side team. Who is that so far? We're going to have Catherine Williams in goal. Yeah. Graft in the middle. Me on the left, you on the right. Um, Dennis Lawson. Um, up front. Up front. <laughs> Dennis, Dennis, get your boots out. Absolutely. <laughs> so a great episode and you see what i mean it, uh, it, go and listen to his music if you don't know it and he speaks about amazing things respect to women which it sounds daft saying that but within that genre of music you don't always get those kind of vibes but he's just oh you, you'll you'll love him you'll love him what do you think chris i thought um well yeah i mean Obviously, I came to the episode with a lot um, less knowledge than you, um, and you know, I did. I did get into into rap when I was about seventeen. It was it was around about the time that um, Snoop Doggy Dog um, oh, yeah. got out Doggy Style, and um, yeah. so we all had that in the car. And then if we went to the pub, obviously, when when we turned eighteen, um, <laughs> we were all we were all going, "Yeah, I'm gonna have a gin and juice." <laughs> so, so you'd have all these eighteen-year-olds um, at the bar, each getting a getting a, a gin and fresh orange. <laughs> I, I I would pay good money to see a young seventeen-year-old Chris Payne asking for a gin and juice. A gin and juice, and it's really not a nice drink, to be honest. Especially if there's no ice left. If there's no like, no, if it's the end of the night, there's no ice left. <laughs> You're having a warm gin with kind Ooh. of warmish, Ooh, fresh so, orange. I feel so hip hop. <laughs> but that was it. That was it. We we had we had gin and juice on, and um, so we had, we had a lot of, of Snoop Doggy Dog. Um, what else were we listening to? House of Pain. We we're listening to um, uh, surely Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Cypress Hill. Beastie Boys. And then I kind of went a little bit. In I, there were a couple of my mates who were properly into um into rap so they were lending me albums by like like the goats and oh, yeah. um remember we got into the far side for a while Which um, is, they're so yeah they're so funny. just really funny and then it kind of went down ice cube ice tea but it, it but my knowledge um i always felt in a lot of these tv shows you know the the great pottery throwdown or you know these kinds of things which which is really oddly relaxing it's well not oddly it's just really relaxing i've been working on a couple of programs like this i can't say what they are but you'll laugh when i tell you because you'll be like oh i might watch them but i i love i i I love the fact that there weren't any eliminations in second series of the rap game uk because um i always feel really sorry for the people in these eliminations at the start, because it's not just how these contestants show what they can do. It's also about them learning so much over the, the course of the, the series. And yeah. you could see how, um, you know, all of the contestants in the rap game benefited from being part of this, this amazing totally. God. Totally. I hate that journey, but yeah. No, it's true. Graft, but I mean, bless him. Yeah pretty much a bit of a nightmare in the first episodes and i was like yeah. 
oh man because you know I, I was already aware of him because of uh last episode's guest Charles Zenner and so was rooting for him and I thought oh this is not looking good oh yeah I and thought then... he'd blown it because he, he <laughs> kind of went uh yeah can we just go go back no 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 oh, mate oh, no, you can't go back you carry on yeah but, but I think I mean his his learning yeah and his his learning curve started there he was like all right yeah. okay there's no you second can... chances you just have to nail it you could see the confidence as well. And that also sounds like a cliche, but it's because if people don't understand TV as well, it, it, it doesn't mean that they might be a poor rapper or performer, but they're, they're being asked to do what they do in a TV program in strange situations in front of cameras in you know, in front of people like Crepton Conan target. And, you know, it's all, it's all out of their comfort zone or what they're used to. So you are going to grow with confidence as mm. a series goes on. And it um, looked, it did look like there was a duty of care that was being followed there as well for, for the, because well, they were, they were COVID. young. Yeah. Young. They had a COVID to battle with um, yeah. and how you make a TV program with that. But he was just, he was fantastic and uh, it's still on iPlayer. So have a watch. Yes, we spoiled the ending. Graft wins. But yeah. you should still, still watch it because there's some wicked moments in it. Yeah, see so. how he wins. Exactly. And the new series is out now. And um, a reminder, as Graft said at the very end, check out his new single. But don't don't just listen to that. Go and listen to all this stuff on, on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you get it from. Uh, in a, you'll, I think you'll love him. You'll love him. Yeah, um, I should bring up um, correspondence from last from the last couple of weeks. Um, so we made we made a little um, uh, trailer for the show, and it had um, yes, it had some of our our guests um, talk. Well, just saying what their first gigs were, and we thought we'd ask you lot what your first gigs were, and it kind of went bonkers, didn't it? Yeah, it did on Twitter. It, it went yeah. absolutely crazy. Um, people, people love. I think a first gig is big for everyone, isn't it? And we had lots of what New Kids on the Blocks and Michael Jacksons, and then we had lots of really cool ones as well. And then we had Bon Jovi, and <laughs> yeah. But it was just, I, I, I could read. Well, I did read. I'm just looking through them now. The um. Just see uh, what people's uh, gigs were. Helen Bull, Madness, under 16's matinee performance in Newcastle City Hall, December the 8th, 1980. Think it cost a quid. That would have been bonkers. Madness in 1980. Absolutely Whoa. bonkers. Chris Burgoyne, uh, the Boo Radleys in Norwich at the uni. That would have been good. Um, Paul Cooper, Oasis at Main Road, 96. I mean, that's a hell of a first gig, isn't it? Not bad at all, was it? Um, yeah, who else have we got? Suede, Blackpool, Empress Ballroom. That was that was Sarah or Mama Mimi Mimi, too. Another <laughs> on one of Twitter. my favorite venues, another one of my favorite venues, Blackpool Empress Ballroom. Mm. Still got the sprung original ballroom sprung floor, it's, it's gorgeous and it's just been yeah. um, renovated as well because it was closed yeah. for a while. It's just been so, renovated. In fact, oh. if you want to see someone there, you've got to see someone that has a hell of a sound system. Uh, I saw. Um, I've seen a few people here, but the Chemical Brothers, the floor was just going boom, boom, boom. 
amazing well i saw some jazz there it was it was being recorded for radio three and it was a, a fantastic jazz trumpeter called guy barker and he um arranged miles davis kind of blue album for yeah. for jazz orchestra and it and it was in the empress ballroom it was absolutely amazing brilliant it's but the, the other thing i've the other thing i've seen actually you can probably find it somewhere is um, White Stripes? They, they released a film from yes. the Empress Ballroom, and it it was actually in cinemas. So when I was I was box office manager at Corner House um, back in the oh, day, you, yeah, you had and, it um, so yeah, we had it there. So um, that that was great. That was really good. We did, do you know what we love that, and we'll do that. We'll we'll put more questions out on social media. Please let us know. Answer. We love we love seeing them. We're on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram gig stories pod and uh of course send us your photos your ticket stubs your merchandise anything like that it is absolutely fantastic yeah thank you as always for your support and your listening ears please please give us a lovely rating five star one would be nice um and and share the pod with your family and friends so that we can really take over the world or it's mainly about the search um algorithms it's so that we can find we we can be found by listeners more easily but oh, taking over the world is what i no. thought you wanted us to take over the world no no it's about the algorithms but that's what you said before we press record you said let's take over the world um yeah that wasn't supposed to go out okay you edit this bit out I'll edit can you just give out. us nice five star reviews because apparently it affects the algorithms <coughs> and then we can take over the world yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you next time for another Gig Stories podcast. See you soon. Thank you. See you soon. Bye.